Sorry, I don't love you. A fresh have grown accustomed to. Cause with you, if something isn't wrong, something isn't wrong, something isn't right. I wish you could be. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to let you all know that today's episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. We will have a link in the show notes and everything, so you guys don't even have to memorize anything other than the code BRIDGE10, because that will give you 10% off of a Loot Crate box. And now we are going to be talking all about Legion Season 1 with Jonathan Diener. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? Doing well, too. (laughs) And this is your first time on the podcast, so it's always fun to get new people on to talk about things. And... You know, we came up with a couple ideas, and I think Legion is definitely one that is quite a bit out there, even though it's a TV show a lot of people watch. It's just so different from everything on TV, and before we dive into what the story is and everything, I do want to talk a little bit about the casting for the show, because personally, you know, I had heard of some of the people on the show, but for the most part, I didn't know most of the actors and actresses on it. Yeah, there. Uh, I like that for the main role. Like, I know Dan Stevens was wasn't he the Beast in Beauty and the Beast? I know he was in something big, but I know whatever it was, I actually hadn't watched. So okay, I be- I believe it was that, and then um, he was in one other thing, but it was more of those like you're covered up or you're like a supporting person. So launching him into a lead like this is actually really cool. Yeah, and I would say for me, the only people. I had seen in other things before were Aubrey Plaza, Gene Smart, and maybe Bill Irwin, or I had at least just known of Bill Irwin. And for me, I wasn't a huge, or I'm not really a huge comedy show fan, so I haven't even seen Parks and Rec, even though it has been on my list for a while now to get around to it. So I actually, I mean, I know Aubrey Plaza from that, simply because it's just everywhere and I have friends who watch it and everything like that but then she was also in this one really strange episode of Criminal Minds so that's kind of more what I know (laughs) her from so for me you know a lot of these people were new and I think that made it a little better because I wasn't comparing them to any performances I had seen them in like certain actors you'll see them and you're just like oh you know that's so and so from this show and you can't even remember their names from other shows because they're still that same character to you so like you know all of the actors and actresses and friends are still always going to be the actors and actresses from friends and Jennifer Aniston's real name is just Rachel and that's it yeah yeah pretty much (laughs) well uh did you ever because you didn't watch uh the comedy stuff did you ever watch any Flight of the Concords I did not okay because Jermaine uh who's Oliver Bird I also have IMDB so I seem like smarter than I am, but uh, Jermaine was in that, and he is absolutely phenomenal, like one of the funniest people, and seeing him like inserted into this show, I love when you have like the well-known people as supporting cast, you know what I mean? Like that's, to me, what makes it more exciting, rather than like, oh, it's Tom Cruise as Wolverine, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, okay, it's yeah. just Tom Cruise to me, like when it was... uh Hugh Jackman, like, back in the day, I was like, whoa, this guy is Wolverine. That's what I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Hugh Jackman is always going to be Wolverine for a ton of people. And, you know, that's myself included because he spent so many years playing the character. It's kind of hard to associate him with much else. And I think... The great thing here, too, is they aren't focusing on your typical X-Men characters either. This is certainly an outlier as far as X-Men properties go. Well, uh, so I kind of binge-watched a bunch of, like, YouTube videos, like, behind the scenes explaining all this kind of stuff. And it's super interesting because there's people that already are not into comics. Like, obviously, that's understandable. Mm Mm-hmm. But people are assuming, well, Legion's a pretty big character because they made a show out of him. When in reality, he was a very strange, like, side character, like, tucked away, you know? So when you kind of, like, start digging into it, you're like, holy crap, like, this is... They they built a lot out of 
not a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had actually gone onto Marvel Unlimited and started looking up some of the Legion comics and everything. And I was like, there's really not all that much on this character in comparison to so many of the other X-Men and even just most of their characters in general, I would say. I was like, okay, these are very, very specific stories that they're telling with this character, even though he is tied to one of the major characters as far as the X-Men goes. Well, and that's like, I was talking to someone about like the beauty of comics, how you could, in theory, interconnect everything forever if you wanted to. Right. And that deals with like time travel or like relatives of existing characters and that kind of stuff. So the way they're building this so far as a separate entity, I know eventually it's going to tie in with, you know, the stuff we'll be talking about in a second, but like it's, they're doing it in a really interesting, cool way. Yeah, plus the show is not on, you know, a CBS or ABC, so I feel like they have a lot more leeway with what they can get away with, because if I'm remembering correctly, the show is on FX, which typically has some of the stranger shows that people will watch, like Fargo's on there and everything like that, so you can really dive into these characters in a different way, just from the fact that it's on that sort of station instead of one of your typical local networks. And there was uh, a second where FX was starting to pick up more comic stuff. So yeah. uh, I don't know if it's still going, but uh, Jason Aaron's Scalped was supposed to be on FX. Um, I heard rumors that they may have dropped it, or at least FX did after a pilot. There was talks that Deadly Class from Rick Remender was supposed to be on FX, but that just got picked up by Sci-Fi instead. Yeah, I so, saw that. It's it's super interesting watching how like to me the more the more interesting way of dealing with like the whole superhero world of things like whether it's Marvel DC whatever uh, it's more interesting when you take the strange like the sidestep story where for example like one of my favorite comics ever is Matt Fraction's Hawkeye and it's not because it's the guy wearing a costume running around blah 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 it's a guy that lives in this like crappy apartment building and he's like oh yeah I'm, I'm an avenger i guess i got a bunch of money on this card so i guess i'll buy the building and it's like him dealing with like small town concentrated stuff whereas this show to me this is more of just art where they're like because he is actually a crazy person we have way more leeway to do whatever we want with the show so i feel like fx you can do that without having to have like gratuitous violence like you don't have to have like nudity or swearing or whatever, but you could still have a really captivating and uh, abstract, bizarre show like this. Exactly. So why don't we go ahead and dive into some of the characters in the show too, because you have, like we mentioned, Dan Stevens as the main character, David Holler, who is known as Legion in the comics. And they don't really give you everything about him right away and I think that's what makes the show so appealing too because throughout the first season you're getting these bits and pieces of his life and you know he's remembering certain things that have happened to him and for a while there it seems like not only is he not entirely sure what's real and what's not but then the audience isn't either and you really just get to dive deep into this character and you know, initially he's diagnosed with schizophrenia, which is pretty much not the case because it's more so his powers that are doing this and the, what is it called? The devil with the yellow eyes. And, yep. you know, I, I think the devil with the yellow eyes has a couple different names here. I almost call it a shadow monster, but that's Stranger Things. So, <laughs> What's the, uh, the shadow king? Yes. Okay. I knew it was shadow something, but... <laughs> Just all, shadow, all of these the shows, comics. yeah. <laughs> Too many shadows going on here. <laughs> but yeah, there's... So the most interesting thing for me about this is I did not read the source material leading up to the show. And to be completely honest, most people didn't. Yeah. And there's going to be a bunch of people that like read it after the fact and they'll argue with all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But to me, I was going into this completely fresh where it's like I grew up with X-Men. I knew all that stuff. It is what it is but I was completely unfamiliar with it. So 
even like I guess starting with the first episode that I I watched that pilot six times like wow. six <laughs> days I just continually kept watching it because I was just like mesmerized I was like what is making this show different what's making it special to me and the most I guess interesting part of it was it was this completely two-sided thing where it starts out very contained very uh I guess frantic and like it's some what I was talking to one of my friends about it how he's like well I'm so tired of the trope of someone not knowing what's real blah 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 and I was like but to me that's that's what's exciting because similar to Lost you're constantly guessing and when you're guessing that also means that character development is the number one point of the story so you want to find out how someone got from point a to point b and you want to find out what they actually know and what's actually happening around them so this show is very literally based on that fact so when you start getting into like david holler's story like i love that we aren't getting this is how it starts and we're going from the beginning to the end we're getting this is the present and these are these like completely fragmented pieces of his past that we're just kind of throwing together. And when you eventually start piecing that stuff together, it's super interesting, but because his past is so extensive and so expansive, uh, you have, you know, plenty of seasons worth to finally figure out who this guy is. But I like that they didn't just start with like, he's professor Xavier's son. Yeah. The end, you know, cause that's like, that would be every single like average story would do it that way. Right. And for me, when I went to check out the comics on Marvel Unlimited, I didn't do it before the show aired. So like you, I went into it not really knowing what to expect. And when I watched the pilot, I remember being like, okay, this is a little strange. You know, it's definitely not your typical comic book show by any means. And at first, I was a little unsure if I was even going to stick with it. But I feel like you know, once you watch the first episode, if you really just sit there and pay attention to it and follow along, it's something that will draw you in by the second episode, if not, you know, even with the pilot for some people like yourself who watched it six times, which, you know, I only watched this season once and I reviewed it over at my site. So, you know, I took fairly extensive notes on it and that really helped me pay attention to what was happening because I wasn't doing something else like, you know, browsing Twitter, you know, just browsing the internet in general while watching it as I tend to do with some like procedural shows where you don't need to pay attention every waking moment that the show is on the screen. And I feel like because you have these characters, especially Legion, who has that strong relationship to the X-Men, even though clearly, you know, he doesn't really have any clue who his dad is until later. And if we even see that in the first season, I don't know if that was just given to the audience or also given to him, but it's still one of those things where he's tied to this very powerful character in the X-Men universe. And these characters, while they are extremely powerful, it doesn't feel like you have the same kind of stakes that you have when you go watch an X-Men movie or something, you know, it feels like a more personal attack, not an end of the world scenario or something like that, that we're so used to seeing in the films and everything. Well, and I think the interesting way they go about this is like you're saying, uh, they're very powerful people or powerful mutants rather. Uh, but What's interesting to me is because it's so contained right now, it's that whole like, okay, this is about to explode. And the fact that not only does he have the ability to, and we'll get into like powers and stuff in a second, but not only does he have the ability to like move things with his mind or whatever, but he just changes reality in general, which is terrifying. So when that's happening to the person in the room with him or the people outside of the room, like that could very literally change the universe itself. Uh, so when I was watching this show, I, the, and the reason I watched the first episode so many times, first of all, that I believe that one was written and directed by Noah Hawley. Uh, he, right. And from what I understand with like some of his shows, he will 
write the first two episodes and then kind of just like pass off the reins and then come back for like the important moments, uh, which, you know, when you're busy directing and doing all this other stuff, like it makes sense. Like, but you could tell that there was so much time uh, put into the first episode, the pilot, where, like I was saying before, the first half is this contained thing, but then the second half, when it breaks out of this, like your your mind is so familiar with this scenery, the second that breaks and you're seeing like these people flying around and shooting fireballs and like the the way the graphics were, uh. I guess, displayed in the episode. Some people would be like, oh, it looks like the budget wasn't there for TV. But I was like, imagine someone actually getting hit so hard that they flew over a hill. Like, that's what it would actually look like. Like, that's the crazy thing about it. Like, and I just kept looking at it that way and then just thinking about every little, like, all of the minutiae put into the episode where I was like, "There, there aren't these nonstop apocalyptic stakes but I like seeing it stretched out that way. Like, that's why, like, my brother and I talked about it, where, like, he's not, like, a super comic guy by any means, but he was very much like, I'm so sick of superhero movies where there's the fight with the big bad at the end, and there's a spaceship, and everyone's floating, and then there's one big beam about to explode a world, and then they solve it, and it's the end. And, like, I like with this, I, I'm going into Legion right after I finished Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight, and I don't know if you read that, but that's one of my favorite comic series ever. And the whole thing was about uh, Mark Spector waking up, and he's in an insane asylum, and he's constantly going back and forth questioning if the story of his character is real or if everything else is what he believes it to be. And it's just super trippy and bizarre and whatever. So my headspace was there leading up to this. So the second this started delivering in that way, I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. Because I, I love that kind of stuff. I love having to question everything I'm watching. It helps, too, that when we first meet David, he isn't even fully aware of what he's capable of, and they slowly develop that throughout the season. Plus, his relationship with Sid, too, is something that sort of takes its time to develop and everything like that. And her powers are interesting as well because it's like you touch her and you have this weird sort of like freaky friday thing happen or something and (laughs) she can also just like you know if someone touches her they can go flying too i believe and it's just one of those things where there are a lot of strange powers in this they're not your typical like hey you know this character can fly and this character can you know manipulate the weather (laughs) and you know some of the more practical powers I guess you could say because then you have the carries yeah you have Amber Mid Thunder and Bill Irwin playing Carrie and Carrie Loudermilk so also can we please talk about the name it's Thunder, and the fact that that is her real name and not her character's name. <laughs> yeah, so I, sweet. I remember looking at that. I was like, "Is that real, or is that you know?" Because you know, some celebrities will change their names to these weird things like Meta World Peace and everything like yeah. that. So I was like, "Okay, I mean, it's it's a very good name to have, you know." <laughs> Yeah, especially in this world. But anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, so you have the two of them and, you know, the, the female Carrie sort of resides within the male Carrie here. And it's one of those things where she comes out for certain moments. Like, she's sort of a protector. She, you know, she knows all of the crazy fight moves and everything like that. But she only ages when she is not with her other half basically so she only ages outside of bill Irwin's carry and it's one of those things where that is definitely something that is super weird you know you just have this other person come out of you and she doesn't age like you do and but they also have the reveal of how they did it like they waited to let you know that that's the cool thing because you just saw these two characters so you're like oh she fights he thinks it is what it is. Yeah, and you could tell they always had this sort of connection, but at first it felt more like a father-daughter sort of thing, and you didn't really get the full picture until later on, and you're like, 
what just happened? And if you want to watch a show that will definitely blow your mind, this is certainly it because they do a ton of crazy things with this show. And I think it just makes it so much better. And I feel like if you're going to lean towards the weirder side of the X-Men and everything, this show is the perfect example of just embracing that and running with it. And I love that the whole show is based on perception too, where they will ease your brain into finally finding comfort in uh, like a constant. So you're like, okay, so this scene, I'm familiar with this place. I'm familiar with this person. And they keep doing that. And then they go, actually just kidding. And they wait five episodes to do that. And then your brain's just like, what? And they keep doing that. So like, so for the carries, it's the exact same thing where you see that. Uh, even uh, one really cool thing with Sid Barrett, uh, the way they make every time they show like a scene where she was like getting in bed with David or like certain things like that, they would have these really trippy scenes where she walks in and then it shows the same scene but you don't see anything, and then she's in bed but then you also don't see anything. So you're like, is she there? Or is she like mentally with him or like what what is happening in that situation, you know? And that's what I love because the average person would go, This is stupid, I have too many questions, I'm done. And right. with me I'm going, This is great, I have so many questions, keep going. <laughs> yeah. There are a few more characters that I want to run down here just so we sort of cover for the most part the major characters and Aubrey Plaza plays Lenny, who is initially a sort of psychologist, therapist type of role at the hospital that they're in and everything, or not hospital, but, you know, the quote unquote asylum that they are in because, you know, yeah, that is the word I was looking for. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, we later find out that Lenny isn't really Lenny at all because of you know, the Shadow King, Devil with the Yellow Eyes, and what have you. But her character is so well done because even when you're seeing her as this sort of therapist, it feels like she's not your typical kind of therapist, probably mostly just because it's Aubrey Plaza playing a therapist. But it's one of those things. The one thing, sorry to interject, but the therapist was actually one of the uh, more minor roles in the whole situation. Right. So, so like that was like how she, I believe she was introduced, but from what I remember, she was just a fellow patient. So that was like the, the way they painted her story was she was just another crazy weirdo with uh, David. And she's like also like at the same place getting help and they're both buddies. And then they show like scenes of them outside of that, you know, yeah. but then what they eventually do and like with the reveal of the whole uh, shadow King thing, I love. And again, they're not only do they give you the same thing, but change it up. This they're giving you the same thing but with different contexts, which makes it terrifying. So you're seeing this funny, like I'm just a crazy druggie that like doesn't care. Like I'm going to, I'm pretty much your bad thoughts, like that version of Lenny. But then when you realize that it's this actual parasite, mutant thing right doing that that's what makes it terrifying because you're like oh it's like cutesy like aubrey plaza just not caring and being like all brooding and whatever and then you're like oh this is so scary now because she's doing the exact same thing and when you watch it earlier in the show that's what she was the whole time yeah it's certainly interesting how many different versions of her character we get because like you said, they sort of give her this little introduction, making you think briefly that she's a therapist and even making David think that because, you know, most of the scenes were seeing her act as a therapist in our scenes with David. So it's one of those things where his mind is messing with him in a way that sort of messes with the audience at the same time. But then you have her just as another patient and then with the Shadow King and that whole black and white episode which I certainly want to get into that after we run through a few more of these characters but it's definitely interesting what they did with her character and then you have Dr. Melanie Bird and Oliver Bird 
so you have Melanie as sort of this kind of protector of the mutants. She's trying to help them out, give them a safe place to be. And, you know, we see her husband, Oliver, is like frozen in this room. And the way we see him is certainly unique, too, because he's like living in an ice cube, basically. And it's just one of those things where she thinks she's not going to get him back. And then, you know, before the season ends, obviously he is back and they certainly have an interesting dynamic too. Yeah. That was, that was one of those strange slow builds that you didn't really expect to care about in the show. Yeah. So you, you see uh, Dr. Melanie Bird, she's being all, uh, like independent and brave and like she's clearly the leader and all that kind of stuff and then you start to see that start breaking down because her husband is just from what I remember part of me because it's been a bit but she was under the impression that he was gone right yeah or was she under the impression that she had a way to contact him because I don't know if that was via legion or exactly what that was Yeah, that was a little interesting because it's like she was keeping his body around for some reason. You know, most people, if their spouse dies, they're not going to, like, put them in a freezer, basically, (laughs) you know? And I think she maybe had some lingering hope that there would be a way to get him back because she would go in there and she would talk to him. And it was one of those things where like you said, you didn't expect to necessarily care, but then they did such a great job building up their relationship, even if they had to do it separately for a bit, because, you know, you have her talking about him and then, you know, you have him off by himself in this, literally like an ice cube. I don't even know how else to (laughs) describe it. And then when you have them together, it's like you, it just clicks and you understand sort of what each of these characters have been through on their own by the time we finally see them together. Well, and Oliver doesn't remember her. That's the big part of it, too. Like, right to, to him, she's a stranger. To her, that's her husband that she's been trying to, like, get back this whole time. And, uh... This is another thing. I don't remember if this was exactly in the plot or whatever, but wasn't there something that had to do with uh, Legion trying to, or sorry, Melanie pursuing Legion because that may have been the shot she had at getting Oliver back? Wasn't that was that kind of a thing or a plot point? Because I remember someone got mad at her for being like really stubborn about something. And then I remember him being like, oh, so I'm being used, like, sorry if I'm going way off track, but... For, no, I, I think I I, think I know what you're talking about, because we then see David with Oliver, and it's like he is able to somehow connect to Oliver, and even he doesn't really know what's going on when it happens, because it's like all of a sudden you see David in the ice cube with him, and he's just, yeah. you know, Oliver is just so casual about it, and... It feels like, you know, maybe Oliver knows how to get back to reality as well, but he just needs David's help doing that. And it really did feel like David was sort of the key to figuring everything out with whatever had happened to Oliver. Yeah, and the that was one of the really interesting parts of the show because obviously with the different powers going on, uh, like, again, you have the carries, you have Legion himself, and we'll, we'll get to some of the other characters, but I feel like that kind of expands the world into, like, a weird, almost, like, cosmic-style Marvel situation, you know? Where, like, that was it the astral plane? Isn't that where he was? I think so, yeah. And, like, that is such an untapped thing in shows like that. So it just adds to that extra, like, okay, there's reality, and then there's this extra reality, you know? So it's just super interesting watching someone just casually being able to travel into that, and then watching, uh, what's the, not Spelunker, what is the, like, the, like, suit he has? 
like the deep sea diver looking thing. I always forget. What yeah, I I don't know what they're called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, someone listening will be like, "You idiot, it's this." <laughs> but like, it's just super interesting just seeing that pop up in random places too. And he's just like, "Hey, follow me into my weird ice cube." Like he starts yeah. being able to bring people to that too. Like that's super interesting. Yeah, another one of the main characters that's there where you know. Melanie is keeping all of these mutants safe and everything is Patonomy and he's the memory guy basically so you know he can take you into your own memories and take other people as well so a lot of trying to figure out things about David happens in those memories and you know we see the angry boy and we see all of these moments in David's life that he sort of is trying to block out and has been blocking out. So it's really a good look into David's life. And even though, you know, it's a different character's powers doing that, it still largely revolves around David. And I think picking him as the main character for this, and obviously because the show's name is Legion, you're going to focus on that character the most, but it still gave you the opportunity to see what all of these surrounding characters were capable of because they were all just trying to sort of figure out who David was, figure out what's best for him. And like you said, in Melanie's case, even try to use him to their advantage for something too. And I like that. I mean, I'm sure I don't think this was intentional by any means, but the word Legion, like it's like a, a unit, a group, yeah. And it's kind of showing that, like, this anonymous X team in this time that they haven't really defined yet, uh, it's kind of interesting because the show is called Legion and it's about this group of people, you know? Right. So there's that whole interesting side of it, too. Uh, but I do like that everyone is not only being helped to learn their powers, which is very similar to the whole, like, Professor X situation, right. uh, but, like, everyone has a purpose in what they do. So when you go in there, like, each person will, like, uh, one of the carries, or I guess the male carry, uh, will, like, help you when it comes to, like, being the doctor and, like, walking through things and, like, examining you. And then Patonomy will actually walk through your memories. And, like, you know, everyone has their purpose. Uh, so it's su- super interesting watching how all of that comes together. But then the other side that's super interesting to me is... By doing that, that's how they created a really interesting way to tell you a backstory. And, you know, like you're finding out bits and pieces that way because there's an actual purpose to telling it that way. Whereas a lot of shows will just insert random flashbacks that just, there's no interesting way of doing that, you know? It's just like, oh, here it is. The end, you know? Whereas the show is like, you are literally seeing into his thoughts and the people in the present are traveling in the past to those thoughts and seeing all of the contributing factors to how he came to be who he is. Yeah, plus we then have a couple of characters to make note of on sort of the bad guy side. So you have the eye and you have Clark. So Clark is the one that's questioning people and, you know, putting them in these rooms and he questions David at one point. And the eye, he's sort of like their tracker, basically. You know, he can sort of see where people have gone and you know he can see all sorts of different things and it's really interesting how you know Clark is only listed in three episodes on IMDb and yet he's a character you definitely remember throughout the entire season because you're like okay this guy is up to something which oh yeah yeah he was one of the best characters in the whole show yeah like that, that's crazy. It was only in three episodes. I think it's just I because feel they like he was in more, him, you know? but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. It. I mean, that first episode was such a, a big, impactful thing. I think that's probably why it sticks with you. Yeah. But, like, it's the quintessential, like, government official business person with, like, this gray area that you don't fully understand. And he's, like, a very good talker. And that's what makes it kind of terrifying because you're like, this guy's very confident and smart. Whatever he's doing must be very bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, are there any characters you wanted to touch on that we haven't hit yet? Let me see. I'm going through the IMDb as well. 
yeah. Uh, Always helpful to have that open during podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I also love one of the characters, just Asian teenager. <laughs> okay. I feel like there's one major one that we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about David's sister, who is That's sort cool. of an outsider, Amy. And, you know, she plays a very specific role, but it's sort of unclear how important of a role she's necessarily playing because you know I know we're going to talk about this a little later but it's hard to tell you know when David has these scenes with his sister when exactly they're happening if they're happening you know in the present day or if it's you know something he's just remembering or what and she really really tries to understand David and because he's just you know, so closed off, even though she tries so hard, it's still really difficult for her to make some sort of connection with him in the present day. That's the other thing that's super interesting, too, because, again, like, I'm not super familiar with the backstory, but from what I know, I don't remember him having a sister. Uh, So there's a lot of weird... So. They do say it's his sister in the show, right? Yeah, I think so. Because, so this is my other weird thought. And what was her name? Amy Holler? Yeah. Because they talk about how David's mom raised him and, like, had all this, like, terrible stuff happen to her. And, like, way later she finally revealed who the father was and all this kind of stuff. So there's also, like, that weird side where what if this was his mom and this these were, like, weird flashbacks. You know what I mean? Like... There's a lot of, like, really weird ways they can, like, play with your head with this kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, then the other side is, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, they didn't say they're twins, I don't believe. No, so, it it actually implies that David's adopted for this okay. sh- the purpose of the show. So, you know, Amy has, you know, she her mom and dad are her mom and dad, and then it sounds like they adopted David but they did so at such a young age that they really did have the chance to grow up together because we keep seeing that flashback to him and Amy in a field with a dog yeah so you, that one a ton. yeah and you can see how young the two are in that so I think you know they are definitely taking some liberty here so David being adopted certainly explains a lot of things in the context of this show specifically because you know Amy doesn't really have like this huge obligation to him necessarily because you know she has her life and her family her husband and everything like that because you know they're grown adults now and she's still trying to find a way to take care of David and I think that goes to show just how much you know she really accepted David into the family because you know I don't have any adopted siblings or anything like that but I imagine when you know you're an only child and your parents adopt someone it's probably going to be a little tense and a little weird for a while yeah well like it's that classic story of like there's the weird adopted kid that ends up having something like terrifying happen to him over time you know what I mean Right. Like they've had that in like horror movies for a long time and all that kind of stuff. So that's what makes it interesting where they're going from like they could you could look at the show from a few different ways where there's like a total mind fuck. Like you could go into it like, okay, that's what this is. Number two, it's almost horror because there are some really terrifying parts where like reality starts getting distorted and it's very abstract and that kind of stuff. But then the other side of it is like this is just like a drama where someone's trying to figure out who they are. So you look at his sister and not only is there that bond where like, maybe it's that stubborn bond he has. And that that's why like the bad guys in the show know it's his weak link and they're trying to like, you know, take advantage of it and all that kind of stuff. But going back to a, the mind fuck, like you don't even know if she's real at this point because the memories don't necessarily mean they're real. And that's, that's the weirdest part of this whole show. So not, not just, me being, like, dumb conspiracy guy, like, what if everything's fake? Like, in the comics, they straight up say 90% of the action and things that go on are just all in his head to begin with, you know? Because that's how powerful his brain is. Right. And he has all of these uh, alternate identities and, like, 
all that kind of stuff. So it's it's super interesting watching their dynamic because I feel like this is just like the tip of the iceberg. Like it can't just be like, oh, you're my sister, yay! And that's that is the point. Like there's got to be something more and probably I'm assuming darker to it. Yeah, well, I think that covers the majority of the characters and we certainly touched on all of the main characters other than the devil with the yellow eyes who we'll definitely touch on later when we talk about the filming and everything but real quick here I want to take a break and let you all know more about Loot Crate so for you the listeners of Welcome to Geekdom Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at trylootcrate.com forward slash geekdompod that is our link and you can enter the promo code bridge 10 but like i said at the top of the episode that'll all be in the show notes so don't feel the need to memorize it but what you get with a loot crate box is you get a ton of items that are pop culture related you'll get gaming stuff geek stuff you know all across the board and it'll be licensed gear apparel collectibles and some even one-of-a-kind items so you are definitely in for a treat no matter what box you sign up for. And each box will have a couple different themes to it. So, you know, you'll have a box that has, you know, some stuff from Jessica Jones and some stuff from, you know, maybe Batman or something like that. And it never really is the same thing twice. So you can definitely pick and choose whatever looks best to you. And I just want to thank Loot Crate for sponsoring this episode. But now we are going to dive into some more of legion so jonathan i know you wanted to talk about how the show was filmed too so why don't you go ahead and touch a little on that yeah so what i thought was really interesting about this show is they went for a very cinematic look um everything from the colors to the strange symmetry and the number one thing that sticks out to me is the odd sense of timelessness where when you're watching it and you're looking at your, their clothes, you're like, well, clearly this is like the 70s. And then you start rethinking everything because you're like, okay, well, this thing kind of clashes with this thing. And like, it's they, they try and leave it, I'm assuming, up to interpretation. And when I was going on a bender of just watching YouTube videos and explanations of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, one of the main things they talked about was uh, Noah, the... Uh, creator of the show and director, he was trying to touch on like a lot of Stanley Kubrick, Wes Anderson, and there's these just strange, interesting ways the show was filmed, and every episode almost has a different feel the later it goes on, because there's like a Haunted House episode, uh, one where it's like black and white with subtitles, there's one where, you know, there's plenty of them rather, where they're just stuck in this new wave looking uh, institution that we were talking about earlier. Right. So I, I feel like he's paying like homage or homage or homage <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> I think it's homage. Of, yeah. Uh, there was uh, one of the videos I watched, the kid kept saying homage, and I'm like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to get like all of the listeners to like understand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, all of my listeners. Uh, but it got to the point where, like, every episode had its own different feel, but then it had this, like, continuity throughout where the colors and everything was very well thought out, and every scene felt important. And that was the cool thing, where, like, I would be, like, squinting and leaning in at the TV going, did that move? Or am I just making this up just for the sake of hoping something happened? So, I don't know. I just, I really felt like everything had a purpose in the show, and it was also paying homage to so many other uh directors and films that were out there as well yeah plus like you said with the timelessness it really makes you have to pay attention to what's going on and I certainly found myself fairly confused at times and you know I'm sure if I went back and read my reviews of the episodes now I'd be like what was I thinking (laughs) you know and it's like you know certainly the show probably didn't end up where most people thought it would if you could even predict where the show would end up anyway because it was so crazy with how they would jump to the present jump to the past and then you have these 
scenes that aren't even really taking place on this world kind of thing. And it was really stunning how well they were able to get that across, especially in a TV show, because typically, you know, movies will have way larger budgets. And I feel like with what they probably had for this show, it doesn't even remotely compare to a movie. And yet this was so, like you said, cinematic. And I think in part that's because of just what Noah Hawley has accomplished with Fargo and everything that he's done. Because in Fargo, too, you'll get some really interesting shots. And while the story isn't remotely anything as weird and trippy out of out, out of place like legion is they still have you know some interesting moments in fargo and i think a lot of it has to do with his vision for the show too because if we had just had this be something like the gifted which is an x-men show that's on now it certainly wouldn't have felt like it worked as well as this style did and I feel like, again, with the, I guess some would say, like, the oversaturation of the superhero world market, uh, there are a lot of ways to do the same thing, and there are still a lot of ways to do a different thing. And this very much did the different thing, and I think that's why it stuck out. But I think the biggest, uh, the biggest like, upset with the show is the fact that more people weren't watching it. Because right. I would constantly be going around, I'm like, are you watching Legion? And they're like, what's that? I'm like, it's on FX. And like, well, I'm Netflix. I'm like, find a way to watch it. And yeah. then I actually went back to try and like, uh, like a week ago to go on demand and like binge the whole season again. But now you need the FXX app. Oh, and that's okay. like one of the only ways you can watch it. So what terrifies me is this will get stuck in those other kind of shows that are like app only. When in reality, like, the point of having cable is to consolidate all of these different channels, right. whether you're paying for premium or whatever. But the second you're doing like an app only thing like CBS is doing with their Star Trek, yeah. like you are just instantly closing off thousands to millions of viewers immediately. So like I get the whole point is they want exclusive content. They don't care about viewership necessarily. They just want to build their content. So eventually more people subscribe, whatever, uh, but to me, it's like with shows like like special shows like this, these are the ones that you don't mess up because these are going to be like this and uh, Fargo. Those are going to be your Breaking Bad and uh, your Mad Men. You know what I mean? Like that's right. what builds a network. Yeah, FX definitely has a lot of great content in general, too. And, you know. Fargo is obviously one of the bigger shows for the station and everything, but it would certainly be a bummer if any of the FX shows ended up being app only, because I remember, like you mentioned, Star Trek Discovery, they did air the first episode on CBS for everyone to watch, and then they had they wanted everyone to go pay for CBS All Access or whatever it is, and I feel like that is just not a great way to get people to pay for something. I'm sure it worked for a decent amount of people, but you know, you have Disney and DC wanting to create their own streaming services now. And I feel like these companies are just going to take it a little too far with what they expect consumers to pay for eventually, because, you know, if someone already pays for cable or, you know, satellite, whatever, why would they want to pay extra for more CBS stuff? And if you have the Marvel Netflix shows, are they just going to, you know, abandon those and then move everything over to the Disney app and then screw not only Netflix over, but everyone who has Netflix to watch the Netflix originals. And it's just one of those things where I really hope that does not happen with this show. <laughs> well, like, the unfortunate truth to all this, and this goes with comics, movies, just entertainment in general, or I guess just life in general, it's always the higher-ups want money, and they're having people say, hey, this is the next big thing, invest in this, and they go, okay, and they don't care about any of the other like peons that are under them, even if they're very famous peons, compared to them, they're not billionaires that own a company, you know what I mean? Right. So like, 
for example, at Disney, because they're absorbing so many big, uh, like worlds and companies. So like they have Star Wars, they have, or sorry, just Lucasfilm in general. Yeah. Uh, and then they have, uh, Marvel now, like now there's talking about doing Fox as well. And once that would all be consolidated to its own app, because streaming is the future and not cable and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it like, it bumps me out because to me, it's the whole thing with like Thor and Deadpool where you are making interesting content and that is what does well. It's not the way you present it. Right. It's the product itself is good, which will make people in turn talk about it, which will then make more people pay money to see it or subscribe or do whatever. So with this kind of show, going back to Legion again, uh, I feel like this is too important of a show to just waste on some dumb little thing like that. Exactly. Plus, at least in my opinion, it's one of the bigger shows for me on FX because, you know, I watch Fargo and this and maybe one or two other FX shows. I'd literally have to, like, go see what is actually airing on FX because half the time I'm not even entirely sure what channel I'm watching when I watch stuff because it just all goes straight to the DVR and I'm like, wait, what, what channel is the show on? And yeah, I'm the same way. It's definitely one of those things with Legion where yes, it's a show that is out there, but I feel like with the way comic book shows are going and just the properties in general, there's always going to be an audience for a specific comic book show because there were probably plenty of Legion fans before this show was even announced and we just you know didn't really know them and it's one of those things where like we already mentioned the history of the character is a little hard to decipher and there aren't too terribly many comics focusing solely on Legion so it's certainly an outlier in that respect it's not going to be like the flash or agents of shield or any of those shows where you're going to have these prominent characters but i feel like just because of the fact that legion is tied to the x-men universe in a different way that's going to grab enough people to make this show one that a lot of people will still end up watching and you know I guess maybe that's a lot of people by, you know, my definition of a lot of people, not necessarily what the TV companies think. Well, the one of the other, like, unfortunate truths is when you look at comics versus TV, and that alone is a jump of millions of people. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like there's so many more stakes when it comes to the entertainment industry on, like, the higher level, whereas comics are its own thing. But the money from comics comes from selling the properties of those two movies and uh, television now. So like whenever like someone's pitching a comic, the second it gets picked up, it has one or two issues. The publisher is already like shopping it to somewhere else because they know that's where the real money is. So when it comes to like Legion and stuff, obviously that wasn't the intent when they made the thing. What's really going on is there are companies that are just grasping at straws where they're like, like, uh, is it Morbius, the living vampire that just got picked up by Sony? They're doing a movie for them. Yeah. For him, rather. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, but it's literally just like, I mean, eh, we, we own it. We can do it, you know? So where I feel like with Legion, like, eventually he causes, like, the Age of Apocalypse. And, like, I didn't even know that, like, originally. And that's a pretty that's like his flashpoint you know what i mean so if you look at through all the marvel kind of stuff like maybe he is like the catalyst for all of this huge change whether it's positive or negative but i like that they're keeping it contained to this bizarre weird like very schizophrenically shot show and i think to me and to me that's what makes it special whereas like if this was uh what was the x-men was the x-men last movie just called apocalypse it was an age of apocalypse right i think it was just apocalypse but it's also the one uh, i didn't watch so don't put me on that <laughs> absolutely terrible like i like it's they just gave up and they're just making like c plus power ranger movies at this point you know whereas like then you watch logan and you're like oh my god i'm crying or you know like 
there's these things that like have heart invested into them. And then there's others where they're like, it'll do well internationally. We'll be fine. Right. And before we go here, I want to talk about a very specific episode and it's the episode where you have that black and white scene and everything with Lenny. And it's just one of those things where you certainly wouldn't see everyone taking that sort of risk in the middle of a TV show. So what did you think of how they went about, you know, filming that as sort of like a silent movie? I absolutely loved it. Uh, So the best way to describe that and to explain it to, I'm, I'm assuming people have seen the show if they're listening to this because we gave literally everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so like when you go back to like the whole shadow King concept, you're seeing uh, the devil with the yellow eyes. And it's this weird, creepy, like egg covered in skin monster thing that keeps showing up every time Legion is, or uh, David Holler is like, it's just in his brain. And it's like showing up in random scenes and like running at him and then disappears. And it's like legitimately terrifying. Like it's super weird and bizarre and abstract and like creepy and it just will randomly be in even like nice scenes that'll just pop up and go away that kind of thing so as it begins to uh manifest into lenny which was the shadow king the whole time i love that uh the black and white like it's almost like a whole episode like where they're like trapped in the house and like they can't talk or anything yeah it happens in episode seven okay so I also feel like episode seven is weirdly like the risk one where like Stranger Things just did that, which was actually my like least favorite episode of the least favorite episode of the new season. Uh, But but anyway, going back to this, uh, like I loved it because I this is a really weird transition, but I grew up having like a lot of nightmares. Uh, I watched Child's Play when I was three. Because for some reason, my mom let my brother watch it when he was four, and I walked in on it. So, like, I was having constant nightmares about witches and Chucky the doll and Pennywise from It and, like, all these, like, really scary things that I grew up with. But over time, I started kind of loving how, like, messed up my brain was when it came to nightmares. So this whole episode, to me, was, like, this bizarre abstract nightmare where you wake up and you want to tell someone, but you're like... I don't think I want to tell anyone about that because that was just way too weird to even comprehend. Like when you want to yell and you can't or like you're paralyzed. You know what I mean? Like it was a whole episode of all of that in a really cool artistic way. Plus you have the chalkboard drawings, which is where David is. He's in a room full of chalkboards and you can see, you know, the devil with the yellow eyes drawn on there. And, you know, so this isn't the episode where they're stuck in the house it's i think they're still at the institution oh oh yeah they're in the hallway that's what it was yeah and david is off in the room full of chalkboards and he's sort of you know these drawings start moving and he's telling a story all of their own and you know they only had eight episodes in the season so to do this before the season finale i think was a bold move too because then you're just like where on earth is the show going for the season finale? And it's just so crazy to me that they were able to pull this off so well. And I think, you know, this is this scene and this episode is the reason why they casted Aubrey Plaza. That's that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, well, you see her going from like sweet and innocent to terrifying. And it's like, yeah, but it's like a weird like Disney style of terrifying. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's what was really interesting about it. It was, like, this vaudevillain, black and white, creepy, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but, like, you definitely have to see it. Because I was like, look at her. Like, she knows what's up now. Because, like, at first you're just, like, if you watch Parks and Rec, like, that, it's probably even better for you by not watching Parks and Rec. Because her whole thing was, like, yeah, whatever. And she would just pout all the time, you know? Yeah. And, like, Lenny was just, like, a slightly more excited version of that. So I'm like, okay, she's being typecast, she's whatever. But then seeing her become pure evil, I was like, there it is. Like, all of that, that, like, I may have, like, brushed off before, like, it it led me to this point, and now it all makes perfect sense. 
yeah. Well, is there anything left that you want to talk about before we start wrapping this up? I just think if people have a way to find access to watch it, they definitely should. Because this show, American Gods, there's one other show that I was watching that I was like in love with. But like, there's a lot of these, I I'd consider them hidden gems that kind of just pop up out of nowhere. And it's not just your typical dumb superhero thing. Like, there is a lot of heart and uh, a lot of depth to what you're watching. But it, I'm I'm already dying to watch the next season. Like, I I hope that this show keeps going. I definitely agree with that. And you know, before we go here, did you have any expectations going into this, or were you just excited to have a different kind of X Men property? hit the small screen um the second i saw the trailer that's when i was like okay i think i'm gonna like this yeah because pitching me on something where you're like you're watching x-men on a tv i haven't really been happy for a long time with that uh so like i feel like logan was the first true good x-men thing since like Maybe the first movie when I was young and didn't fully understand what was going on. But like, <laughs> oh my god, they're on the screen. Like, you had that feeling, you know? Uh, and then, like, even, like, the the, ewer, the newer, younger, sexier X-Men, where it's just, like, let's give Jennifer Lawrence every single scene, even though her character doesn't make sense. Like, that kind of stuff is just, I don't, I am not at all, like, attracted to that side of X-Men. Like, that isn't exciting for me that's okay. just like they're, they're very literally like let's just throw star power into this and the movie will do itself that's not true at all because if you're looking at legion this is the complete 180 where it's like here's this standalone interesting story that will eventually tie into something but you don't even know if it will or not and the acting is just that good they're taking these really intense risks on how they're filming it and it doesn't feel like i'm watching an x-men property and that's why i love it yeah for me I think I went into it not really having any expectations. And I've honestly found that that's sort of a better way for me to go into shows because then I find myself enjoying them more. You know, I won't really read advanced reviews of shows until I've seen either the amount of episodes that they cover in the review or at least the first episode because I don't want really to have someone else be like, well, I was expecting this and this was what happened because I, I just want to be like, okay, I'm going to go into this not really expecting anything and then see if it's something that grabs me. And if it is, then, you know, that's great. And if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world either because it's a TV show, you know. So it definitely grabbed me by the second episode. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm totally in for this crazy ride that they take you on in the first season. Well, and... I think what makes it exciting too is it's one of the first dark shows like that where you have, well, I mean like obviously aside from like the Netflix shows or whatever. Right. But when like with this show to me, I have my complete, like it has my complete faith. Like I am 100% in with the Netflix series. Like Iron Fist to me was like a major letdown. Like it was a lot of people. Defenders was whatever. It, It had to happen at some point, but it's like, I'm excited for, I don't know, I think you were the one that thought differently of it. Or no, someone else. But anyway, like, I'm really excited for Jessica Jones and Daredevil and Luke Cage. And then I don't really watch it. Like, there's some shows to me that I don't feel have stakes. So, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where it's like, it's everybody else. And then, like, uh, the, the Gifted, I think, that was the show that I don't think will last much longer, from what I understand. Like, well, unless it does and takes off, who knows. But, like, they're starting to, like, throw uh marvel stuff all over every network and just seeing what sticks you know so i'm hoping this one by being a different dark twisted version of what the story is which is still really dark and messed up i think this will hopefully stand the test of time whereas the other ones like even like if you look at like dc like the flash and arrow they are very much part of the cw thing where they're like i started being really into it and then after a while like they just got really like attractive people to be in the show like that's that's the selling point they're like eh, plot comes second but like i'm gonna take my shirt off for this scene you know what i mean 
So, like, this show is nothing like that. This is just, you're watching, like, act, to me, actual art. Yeah, and for me, I watch a good amount of the superhero shows, so I definitely agree that this is totally different from pretty much everything else that they're doing as far as, you know, having it be on cable TV, network TV, and not one of the streaming services because, you know, yesterday actually, and we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving for some context here, but yesterday Runaways came out on Hulu. They dropped three episodes of that. I only made it through the first one, but that is a property that is very different from a lot of other Marvel comics too. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with that. And the first episode was really, you know, without giving any spoilers away, it was a lot of setup, like introducing you to the characters as most pilot episodes are for pretty much any show. Yeah. I'm not actually super familiar with the runaways too. That's why I'm interested. I still have to finish Punisher and 900 other things I'm working yeah. on. But... <laughs> well, if you get the chance, definitely read the comic by Brian K. Vaughn first and then watch the show. Oh, well, if it's if it's him, I have to read it now. So Yeah, I, I read it a while ago. So I was like, when I watched the episode last night, I was like, oh, yeah, this character and this this is what happens. And, you know, I was sort of getting a refresher as I watched that first pilot episode. But yeah, I would definitely recommend source material first for that, because I feel like he does such a great job building those characters. Yep, that's I'll get my Marvel only sit down for 10 hours and do that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's a super long series so you should be able to finish it fairly quickly it's not like an ultimate spider-man or anything like that (laughs) you'll be good but now that i have taken this podcast completely off track here i think that wraps up everything we have today jonathan thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me of course and to our listeners as always thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day